So everybody right now, please welcome. Welcome to the Sports Fantasies Podcast, where we break down rankings, projections. Well, hello there. Welcome to the show, everyone. Do you love fantasy sports? And going off the beaten path? Well, then this is the show for you. Oh, yeah. Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty, episode 53. As always, we're going to jump off tonight with the pickle. Start with some headlines. McCarty, welcome back. How are we doing tonight? Good. I feel like I'm always so loud here. You're so quiet, smooth. I feel like you were cutting in and out, but what's new? <laughs> some more, another week, some more technical difficulties. Who cares at this point? We're just going to roll. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, I'm going to start with the pickle. Uh, going to jump into some headlines here. I said we'd each do two or three. We thought maybe we'd have some other people join. No, no we they, didn't. They didn't. You- you thought maybe, but I didn't. I thought maybe players would join. I knew Luke wasn't joining because UFC was on. So once he mentioned that, I knew he wasn't coming on. But, uh, of course, Blades, I think, has sent four messages in the group chat in about four weeks. So don't know why I expected him to be here. But here we are. I don't know either. <laughs> Back and better than, well, some days. <laughs> All right. What do, you, uh, what do you have going on for, for a headline here, sir? Uh, not much. I guess I'll go with uh, the obvious one from today. Uh, R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins, uh, former pretty early quarterback pick, I guess. I never really panned out for him, but obviously tragic incident there. I, I Not much is out about it. He uh, appeared to be he was trying to cross on foot some type of interstate today, so I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what's up, what all was behind that. But I was reading up on some, on some uh, just former teammates and stuff that had uh, had things to say about him. And from all accounts, he seemed to be a pretty pretty stand up guy. Everybody um, everybody said just how kind of upbeat he was and just a, a positive player and good locker room guy. Good good guy to be around. So. He, Again, just not much to say about it. Obviously, it's a tragic, unfortunate incident, but that was the number one headline this morning. Yeah, they were they were down in Florida. Uh, him and some other Steelers teammates, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, uh, working out on their own. Um, I'm not sure if we'll ever get the full story. It's a little bit strange. He was walking on a pretty major highway from the sounds of things, and it was a dump truck that hit him. So... Um, Yes. I mean, something seems a little off. Just the uh, why would you be on foot doing that? But again, who knows? Something may come out down the road. It may not. But. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, a tragic story. He's 24 years old, uh, played really well at Ohio State for uh, the season or two that he was there. Uh, his NFL career didn't go very far. He was going to be in that, that three way quarterback battle in Pittsburgh. He was definitely the, the third guy, but who knows what would happen. 
Um, I left that off my list because I figured either you or Blades or LTG would, would bring it up. And I'm just going to keep referring to them as if they're um, here. Because... LTG, how about you? What did you have? <laughs> did you have that on your list? Uh, oh, big UFC LTG. fight tonight. That, 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 that's what LTG is doing. Okay. Blades, what do you got? Uh, Mike Trout, yeah, he'll be injured in September. Don't worry about it, homie. All right. <laughs> Did you have uh, Did you have anything else? Yeah, I got two more. If you want them, uh, Stefan Diggs signing. Oh it yeah, was, this this is exciting. It was exciting. I, I thought it wasn't a terrible deal, and you know he's still I think twenty seven years old. I, I believe he'll be twenty eight this year. But you're talking probably uh, at least three to four years. Uh, I would think a pretty good football left in him at, at, at least. Uh, so good to see them. I, I was concerned that they were not going to be able to sign him. Um, but yeah, I, I quite honestly, I think that uh, Doug Whaley ran his mouth and said that he didn't believe the Bills would be able to sign him. They needed to trade him before things got ugly. And the Bills took this personally and went out and signed him right away. And of course, Diggs comes out and says he wants to finish his career here. Uh, the, the deal will take him through what age 34, I, I believe. Um, so, yeah. uh, it, I thought it was important uh, to get him signed. Um, down the stretch, you saw Gabriel Davis play really well, and I think it's because of how much attention Diggs got. So it opened things up for him. So I'm definitely excited about that. What was your last one? Last one, I, I switched over to basketball. Some Anthony Davis uh, offseason trade rumors. Of course, there's all types of rumors with LeBron. Is it time to just – just uh, pack it up and rebuild if you're the Lakers. Or are you going another year with trying to, to keep Davis and LeBron around to build a couple pieces around that? Quite honestly, I don't care what the Lakers do. Um, I'm not a big Lakers guy. You know this. Their championship doesn't even count that they won in 2020. Uh, I, didn't really, my, I, didn't, I didn't really ask you if you were a big Lakers guy. <laughs> but okay. Per my, per my coast. If I'm the Lakers, I'm rebuilding. I don't think Davis is a guy that you can build around. Um, he just doesn't seem to be that guy. He's either a guy that's going to average 30, 30 and, and 14, and you're going to miss playoffs every year, i.e. what he did in New Orleans, or he's going to be a guy that can't quite quite figure out how to be the second fiddle guy, and he's going to be injured all the time. Um Actually, I was real excited for for the Lakers when they got LeBron and Davis. I thought it was going to be a good move for them. Uh, I was a LeBron guy before he went to the Lakers, so I was I was hopeful that it was going to work out for him. I refused to cheer for the Lakers, but uh, I, I think it, it's ending kind of in a true Hollywood fashion where it was a boomer bust move. They did get their title, so I think it's time just to kind of move on and go in a different direction. I wouldn't be shocked if LeBron ends up back in Cleveland. It's not a real fun team to root for. I mean, I do like LeBron. Uh, I, I like Davis a lot too. It's just you know, you know, Westbrook uh, don't care a whole lot for Westbrook. It's kind of like back when they had when the Lakers brought in Malone and Peyton, mm-hmm. a couple of those veterans, and I, I I didn't even enjoy rooting for the team just because they weren't 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 my favorite players. Uh, th- this team, I, I'm not. I certainly like Bron and Davis more than the mailman and, and GP, uh, but still, I I was kind of, you know, didn't care a ton about this season for the Lakers to be honest. Uh, I'm pretty sure back when they got Westbrook, I told you they got the wrong wizard. Um, they should have did everything they could to get Bradley Beal. 
Yeah, I think we both we both um, that, you know, I mean Westbrook's a great player, but he's he's not a locker room guy, he's not a good team guy. And let's face it, LeBron has had more success with guys that you don't know their names, you know, Booby Gibson and Zanilla Sagaskis and Larry Hughes than he has with some of these big stars. Like he tends to elevate people who need to be elevated. And when he plays with other stars, it doesn't always work out. Obviously him and Kyrie did win a title in Cleveland, but that team he took to the finals. And I think it was 06 with Cleveland, probably the worst roster ever to make an NBA finals. And somehow he took them to the finals pretty much by himself. So. What's interesting is you gave three headlines. I also have three headlines, and we did not cross over at all. Well, just right before that, just to kind of give you a similar scenario when you talk about elevating people, you know, I, I compare it to this show. When you got two two stars like you and I on here, you know, there's only so much we can do with each other. It's what is happening over there. What the <laughs> What in the world? Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Earthquake. All right. Um, so, but then when we bring on guys like LTG and, and Blades, a little less polished, you know, we really bring their game to a whole other level. That's what I compare that to. What's What's great is the first time we, the first couple times we brought Blades on, he was very polished. He actually picked the show up a little bit because you and I were a little bit of a mess then. Because we got very lax because we were used to doing it just you and I. And he brought the show up, and now he doesn't even show up. He doesn't even show up to the group chat, let alone the the actual show. So, um, All right, you're up. All right, so uh, first one, uh, Dabo Sweeney believes a huge change is coming and is needed in college football. He believes that the top level of college football is going to actually – uh, Division One currently has, I believe, 180 some teams uh, at the Division One A level. He believes the top level is soon going to be between 40 and 50 teams. And uh, he was talking about essentially how can you view Alabama and Middle Tennessee State as the same, and then wonder why Middle Tennessee State can't compete with Alabama. He believes those top 40 to 50 teams will be ran kind of like the NFL. They'll have a commissioner. Um, and I think he what he's saying basically is these super conferences that they're building, which I believe there's four or five of them, is going to kind of take over the NCAA. And you're going to see some teams maybe be able to jump in and out of them, kind of like European soccer where they have the different levels. And teams, yeah. can, teams can fall out and, and jump in depending on how they finish. So maybe a team like Boise State will jump in some years. And a team, you know, like a lower Division One A team like Arkansas, for example, might fall out. Uh, but that's where he sees the game going. And I actually think it's a great idea. I think it will bring some excitement. Um, and I, I believe it will bring people in because the last thing people want to see is Alabama playing a middle Tennessee state. And I, I hate when those Division One A teams play the Division One AA teams, or even the lower Division One A, a schools. And it really stinks for those lower schools because they get a lot of money and they, they get a lot of recognition for it. But Alabama wins seventy eight to three most times, and it's just not a game I want to watch. I mean, just all over my hometown team here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Middle <laughs> Tennessee State University. Uh 
that was the team that was mentioned in the article. So I, I yeah, I, I, I saw that too. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And I, and I, he's probably on, um, on track with it. The only, I don't know what that does to those schools that aren't in that top 40 or 50. I mean, because what are they playing for? Well, I, their, I their own like, their own little championship, or are you going to take the top the super conference winner? Is now the final four is going to be between you'll take the super conference winner, the next tier conference winner, and kind of have like a final four with underdogs. But I think what happens is I think that you see it like the European League, where those top forty to fifty teams are like the premier division, and then every year a couple of those premier division teams fall out and a couple of those lower level teams jump in. So then, you know, so those guys are actually playing like a second tier. So they'll have their own playoff system and whoever wins that jumps up, you know what I mean? Or the top four or eight teams or however you're going to do it, jump up. And those, sure. And and those lower four to eight or however many you're going to do fall out. So, and then they got to earn their way back. And I think what happens is I think, you you know, a team like team like Arkansas, for example, who hasn't done very well, maybe gets exposed and maybe they end up in that, that second tier for a while before they find their themselves back up into that upper tier. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea for sure. I mean, I don't think it hurts at all. They're already developing these super conferences. So, I mean, you got the SEC and the big 10, the Pac-12, and then what is it? The Big Ten, right? Or the the SEC, <laughs> Big Ten, Pac-12. Which one am I missing? Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Probably Thanks conference. Help, U- okay. I'm sure it's Conference USA. It's a Big Ten. <laughs> the Atlantic Sun Division. That's- <laughs> all right, moving on. I think it's the Big 12, actually, the more I think about it. But All right, so my number two headline, uh, I'm going to butcher this this uh, lady's name. Rachel Belkovec wins her managerial debut for the single A Yankees affiliate yesterday. They actually broadcasted this game on the Yes app. Um, pretty big news. First female manager ever any level in uh, baseball. So she wins her first game. I've actually listened to quite a few interviews with her. She's been on MLB Network quite a lot throughout the offseason. Um, you know, pretty exciting to see a female in a, a managerial position, and then she gets a win in her first game. Any thoughts on that, sir? No, well done. Congrats. I like it. All right. And my last one, although he really struggled today, uh, Tiger Woods made the cut after that horrific accident that almost cost him his leg about 16 months ago. Um, he shot a 78 today, which was his worst round at the Masters ever. Yeah. But and, and he said he was very tired and fatigued, which makes sense because up until you know the beginning of this week, he hadn't golfed or played a round of golf without using a cart since the accident. So this is his third day playing 18 holes without a cart. So I'm sure he's very fatigued, but pretty amazing story when you think back that, you know, he could have potentially had a leg amputated and now he is playing in the biggest golf tournament. Yeah. And as always, uh, it's that you've got the Tiger Woods factor and just the golf factor in general that not a whole lot of people watch golf. 
So when Tiger Woods is involved, he's the main attraction. I think even with him kind of being really out of the running, even before today, uh, they grouped him with the leader, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Scheffler. Just again, that just just goes to anytime Tiger Woods is on the course, whether he's playing good or bad or in the middle, that's what everybody wants to see. Absolutely. I'll be quite honest. I've watched a lot of Tiger over the years. I used to put some pickles on Tiger every major. I would take Tiger against the field. I did throw $5 on Tiger to win the Masters. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but it was quite a hefty pickle payout if he did win. So um, I just I, I found the story pretty incredible, and that's where I went with that. Of course, now... After headlines, we're going to jump into McCarty's favorite segment of the show, Sports Charades. Uh, luckily, I only did four of these and not six. Four? Well, yes, yeah. because I, you know, prepared just in case LTG or Blaze jumped on here. Oh, so well, I, I, did, will... I did one, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll even it back out. That's perfect. So why don't you give me your, your one, then I'll give you my I'll okay. give you three or four. I'll probably only give you three instead of four. I, I, I like three out of four a lot. So You are San Diego pitcher Sean Manea. Uh, no hitter through seven last night and then pulled after the seventh, after just about 88 pitches or so. You got you have an issue with that? Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, Bob Melvin really – you know, kind of advocated for me to come over here to San Diego. I've played with him for most of my career. He knows me better than any other manager. I trust his judgment. We still won the game. That's what's important. I'm going to be healthy and ready to go. It's the second time in two days that a pitcher has been pulled, having no hitter through at least six innings. So uh, I think the managers are being very cautious, as they should be after a short spring. Would it have been nice to go for it? Sure. But I, I'd rather, you know, kind of survive for the next day, so to say, as opposed to going for it and hurting myself this early in the season. I want to help this team long-term, and I believe we're a championship-caliber team, even though Miller doesn't believe so. All right, follow-up question for the next uh, person in the same locker room. It's it's Padres pitcher, I believe, Tim Hill. Uh, you mentioned two no-hitters uh, bids. Tim Hill gave up the hit for both. Uh, he was brought in uh, the guy that had mm-hmm. it through six, and then for the one that had it through seven, and gave up the hit in the next inning. What What are your comments on that, Tim? Uh, so essentially, I'm the fall guy. Uh, coach came to me and said, "Hey, listen, I need a guy to go out there and throw strikes. You don't need to be perfect; just throw strikes. Uh, we have a good defense behind you. Sure, I gave up the hits; it's fine." Okay, uh, thanks, Tim. That, that's enough. <laughs> All right, so uh, you are Aaron Judge. Wait a second. Can I tell you something? (laughs) This is not Aaron Judge. Uh, Connor Joe goes yard for the Rockies, bottom of the eight off Blake trying to take the lead. Uh, I was going to go somewhere else with that. Was was it 2-2? to It was 2-2. How did you your side up? It was 2-1 last I saw. Yeah, Mookie, Mookie had a little blooper in the top of the eighth, and somebody came on to score. That's all. Go ahead. I am Aaron Judge. You are Aaron Judge. The Yankees and you failed uh, to agree on a contract session before the opening pitch yesterday. Are you finished in New York after this season? Well, we'll see. It depends on if they're going to pay what I want and, and 
what I've earned and, and what anyone should expect a reasonable human being should get, uh, which to me, that would be in the ballpark of about 400 million. <laughs> but, you know, we could subtract a couple hundred million there. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to be wherever, wherever somebody wants to pay the money. I've loved being in New York. Uh, they're being a little stingy right now. Uh, they, so they, they did offer you 30.5 million a year. Yeah, I'm aware of what they offered me. But like you said, I'm going to give you at least 90 games a season. And in those 90 games, I can get you, you know, 20 to 30 home runs. Just imagine if I played 160 games. So I'm I'm basing my salary on an average of 65 home runs per season <laughs> if I were healthy. I'm pretty sure you're basing your salary on being the face of the Yankees because they put your face everywhere, but fair enough. All right. Uh Thank you, Mr. Judge. Now You're welcome. we're going to be going to the next guy. You are Freddie Freeman. Ronald Acuna said he was happy you were gone. Anything to add, Mr. Freeman? No. Ronald's a great guy. We had a great time there. You know, he likes to he likes to kid around. Oh, I say, oh, oh, Ronnie, you old prankster, you old <laughs> jokester. Uh, that guy, I tell you what, I'm going to miss him. Um, I'm happy where I'm at, but I uh, hope he does well. Hope the Braves do well. Uh, that's all. <laughs> I'm going to give you all four just because we're rolling here. All right. You are Lucas Giolito. Mr. Giolito, did Blades putting you on the block affect you and lead to your early season injury? I'm happy you brought that up, Mr. Miller. You know, I wanted to come on Sports Fantasies. I was hoping Blades would be on here <laughs> this evening so I could uh, talk to him a little bit about this. Uh, you know, I felt he really disrespected me by putting me on the block in the first place. And then to hear, uh, you know, I talked to your co-host, McCarty, because he's asked me about my health. You know, he usually checks in, checks in with the players to get a – he wants a physical from the doctor before he makes a trade for him and make sure they're – and everything was going smooth. I was feeling good. I saw what McCarty offered Blades a couple times. Blades, you know, turned his, turned his nose up at it. Uh, well, he should have taken it, it looks like. But then, you know, I'm only going to miss two starts. Uh, so I'll be back and pretty quickly, but at this time I am demanding a trade from Blake's team. I, I will not suit up for him again. So you might miss four or five. All right. Got it. Noted. All right. And finally, uh, thank you, Mr. Toledo. Now You're we welcome. come to you are Owen power. You just finished your college career and will be playing for the Sabres as early as Tuesday. Are you oh, ready no. and excited to help turn this franchise around? Whoa. That is a loaded question. Uh, turn this franchise around. I feel like that's putting a lot of weight on my shoulders. Um, I think they took at least know, baby steps to doing that this year, Mr. Bauer. From what I've seen from the fan base for this show, this is off record. So I'm I'm okay uh, saying that there's no human in the history of hockey that can turn it. Wayne Gretzky couldn't turn this franchise around. But I am excited about playing at the next level. I think my game's ready. Uh, I'm going to come up. I think I'm going to be a great pairing with that other other chucklehead they, they took at one overall there, um, Darlene. Uh, so we'll see. We we weren't as bad as the Canadians this year, so there's always that to hang our hats on. Uh, did make some improvements this year. So, But, yeah, I'm excited to, to down the blue, white, and gold jerseys and get it going. All right, well, thank you, Mr. Power. That wraps up Sports Charades, McCarty's favorite segment of the show. He likes it so much he did one. That will bring us to Odds Are. Uh, this is three 
three bets we like, two we don't. Sunday and beyond. Of course, I went all beyond. I went all futures bet. All of them are uh, over under wins for myself. What did you do here, sir? What are the three you like? Uh, well, I went all five over under baseball. Perfect. I, wins. Like I mean, unbelievable here. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how many we have the same but before we say it's unbelievable. Although, uh, okay, yeah. So, first up, the Yankees, 91 and a half wins. Give me the under there. I actually like the under there, too. That is not one of my five, so, so far we're good. Okay. Uh, Braves, also at 91 and a half. I took the over here. I like that as well, but not one of my five. Of course, none of these are great. You know, they're all like minus one fifteen on the pickle. Yeah, so yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I think most of these are between minus one one hundred five and minus one thirty. From what I saw, I didn't see any pluses here. I have a feeling we'll disagree on this one, but White Sox. I took the over at ninety and a half wins. This is one I was really close to adding onto my list. Um, I did not put it on my list. I could see that going either way. Uh, I did take Detroit to win that division. And mm-hmm. I will talk about Detroit in a couple of minutes. I don't hate that, but I don't love it either. So I was kind of indifferent about it. That's why I did not make my list. Uh-huh. All right. So the three I love, uh, Baltimore under 62 and a half. In that division, I don't see a way they don't lose 100 games. Yeah, so, um, you're probably right. I looked so at that one. Baltimore at 62 and a half, I, I, I absolutely love hitting uh-huh. the under on that. I mean, you've got – I think Jordan Lyles was their day two pitcher today. Yeah, I mean, it's... Their pitching staff is atrocious. It's They've got a couple young guys, but... Quite honestly, they should trade means for whatever they can get for him because they'd get something good for him, and that that guy could be a stud if he goes to a contender. Yeah. Um, number two for me, you're going to like this one. Uh, your Dodgers, over 98 and a half. I don't see any way they don't win 100 games unless the whole team falls apart. I did not put them on here. If I was going to go one way or the other, I guess it'd be the over. It's just, like you said, there's no way to predict injuries, and that is a lot of wins. If they lose – now, they, granted, they could lose one or two players and probably still be fine, yeah. get to 100 wins. But you're, uh, um, if you got you know, if Bueller and Urias go out, or Kershaw could certainly be injured. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard to predict that. And it's, They were a few wins above everybody else, so I stayed away from it. The thing is, though, is let's say Kershaw and yours get hurt. They're going to go trade for two pitchers that aren't going to be hurt. Or they're going to get Bauer back and, and, and go trade for one pitcher that's not hurt, and they're going to be just fine. Yes, stop screaming at me. Uh, I will do whatever I want, sir. <laughs> uh, number one for me, this was my favorite bet. Of course, you disagree a little bit about this team. The Detroit Tigers, over 78 and a half wins. I picked them to win the division, so of course I believe they're going to finish over 500 pretty easily. So 500 is 81 wins, so I like Detroit over 78 and a half quite a lot. I almost put that on here. I do like. I don't think they'll win the division, but I do like the over as well. Uh, I could see them getting 85 wins or so. Where'd you go for your two dislikes? My two dislikes, the Rays. I dislike the over at 88 and a half. So I would take the under there. Uh, now they are, I think, 2 0 to start out the season and, and looking pretty decent, like always, because they're the Rays and they just seem to win. So probably a bad 
a bad uh, bet there, but I would oddly enough, my first dislike was the Rays over eighty eight and a half wins as well. I okay. think they're, I think they're going to struggle. I predict them to finish fourth in that division, and later on, I think I actually talk about how I believe they'll make us all shut up and probably win the division. But I I don't I don't like that. I would definitely take the under there. My next one is the Twins at over eighty two. And a half. I do not think the Twins are going to be very good this year, so I put them more in the 75 to 80 tops win range. So I don't like the over. I would take the under there. So we just missed here. I I also took an AL Central team. I took the Royals. They have the Royals at 75 and a half. I don't see I don't see them I don't see them winning that that many games. And the fact that only three games behind the Tigers absolutely blows my mind. That is now, strange. Now, I, I shouldn't be betting against Vegas because there's a reason they have all those big casinos there. But the fact of the matter is I like the Tigers a lot more than the Royals, especially more than three games. And I I think the Royals probably finish in last or second to last in that division. It's going to be between them and the Twins, I believe. So um, I was a little surprised by that number. Um, a five-way parlay here would pay quite quite nice, and the Rays would, would screw it up 100%. Yes. <laughs> probably for either one of us, the Rays would screw it up. So we should probably just stick to the four and do that. But <laughs> All right. So that ends the pickle. So we'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. Welcome back, episode fifty-three of Sports Fantasies and Miller McCarty. Segment 53. one, segment one, NFL talk. Gonna go draft heavy here. McCarty's Ooh. favorite topic: the NFL draft. All right, so we're gonna start yeah. here with three guys trending up on your draft board. The actual NFL draft. What do you got? Three, two, one here, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much my draft board because I don't have a draft board. <laughs> I don't care about it. But, but what I'm seeing, what I'm reading about, what I, you know, basically what I Googled recently, um, quarterbacks. And I just put that out there as a generic quarterback. So previously, I'm not sure, you know, there wasn't anyone that thought a quarterback, you know, may not even go in the first round. Now it's looking like uh, Panthers. Do they grab one at six? It's possible. Either way, I, I think you are going to see a quarterback or two go go in the first round. The list that I was looking at actually had four quarterbacks going in the first, which is a a long ways from where we were with quarterbacks a month ago. I'll tell you what, McCarty, great minds think alike. My number one here was quarterbacks. At one point, there was talk that zero to two quarterbacks would be taken in the first round. Now most mocks have somewhere between three and five. You just said the one you were looking at had four three to five quarterbacks going in round one. And the Panthers at six was the, the highest I saw one going uh, typically Kenny Pickett. Um, yeah. So I had that at, at, as one of mine as well. What else did you have here, sir? All right. My next one, I've got uh, Jamison Williams, I believe the Alabama wide receiver. Previously, when first started looking at this stuff, he was about the fifth wide receiver off the board. 
I now saw a list with him projected as the first wide receiver off the board and an, a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, his name has definitely changed quite a bit, although he did not make my list. All right. Is it my turn again? Or one more, going? sir. You got one more. Oh, okay. I'll let you do all three. All right. The the people's favorite. No idea how to say his name. I'm going to say Ikem Ikwanu. <laughs> NC State tackle. Uh, everything I'm seeing, he's the best run-blocking tackle in the country. He is projected to go around six, uh, but the more I look at it, I could actually see him going as high as three or four. So he's trending up on my draft board. All right, so the two that I had different from you is uh, number three, I had safety, Daxon Hill from Michigan. His 40-time at the combine, at the combine, combined with his versatility, has him moving up the draft boards everywhere. So watch out for Daxon Hill. He could end up being a top fifteen pick after not being mentioned in the first round. The second yeah. guy I mentioned here is Kenyon Green. He's a guard from Texas A&M. Although he started at four out of the five line positions, he started every position but center this year uh, for Texas A&M. He has versatility, and teams are drooling at the possibilities of him coming in and starting at any one of those four positions. What drooling. About, what about three guys trending down on your board? Ah, uh, yes. First up, number three, Traylon or Traylon Burks. Uh, we talked about him. I think being our number one wide receiver off the board mm-hmm. not too long ago. Uh, he's still my number one, uh, but I've been seeing him closer to the fifth wide receiver off the board now, so I'm not sure what's happened, but he's not as beloved as he once was. Uh, next up, running backs. I don't see any projected in the first round of the draft, and I don't think there will be any that go in the first round of the draft. At most one, but I, it doesn't look like it. Which is, so, which is pretty typical. Yeah, although I feel like last couple of years at least somebody will slide in and get that one running back at the end of the first round. Uh doesn't always happen, but and then my last one, um everyone. You know what? You know why? Because I traded away all my first round picks in fantasy draft. So they're all trending down because they now have to go play for losers in fantasy <laughs> football. If I don't have them, I won't talk about them on sports fantasies. So they're missing out on that exposure and mar- and marketing. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't have any fluids in my mouth when you said that. All right. Uh, number three for me, Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. He has fallen down some draft boards. He's just not flashy. He's a tough football player, plays the run very well. He can also pass protect. Uh, but some of the flashy guys who impressed at the combine with their 40 times and their reps and so on and so forth have really passed Tyler, including Kenyon Green, who I mentioned above. Uh, number two, Devin Lloyd, a linebacker from Utah. Ah, Devin Lloyd. He is he has fallen for some of the same reasons as 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 Linderbaum. Still an above average prospect who should go early and should be drafted in the first round but has lost some hype after the season just because he's not that stat guy who is going to blow up the 40 time or the bench press or whatever you may say. 
you mentioned running backs. I mentioned one in particular, Isaiah Spiller, who was mentioned as the first or second running back off the board on a lot of draft boards last time we talked about this. He is now as low as four or five on some people's draft boards. Um, Another guy who has fallen quite far is Matt Carroll, the quarterback. He has fallen to three, four, or five on, on on some quarterback ranking list. So I think both those guys have fallen quite a bit since the last time we talked about this. This is going to take True us right story. into our top rookie quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and best and worst landing spots for each. Why don't you start with your best quarterback and the best and worst landing spot for said quarterback? All right. So now that um, you know, now that I don't have any first round picks, I can give away all my secrets. Your top rookie quarterback, it's Liberty Zone. Malik Willis. <laughs> the best quarterback landing spot, I feel, is Carolina because I, I feel like I could beat out Sam Donald given a fair opportunity in the offseason. And not only that, but you do have some weapons there. You got DJ Moore, um, uh, what Terrace Marshall. If you know, if he takes a step forward this year, of course, McCaffrey, etc. So you got some playmakers. The worst landing spot for him is the commanders. Uh, and you could go a lot of worse spots. Obviously, you know, going to Buffalo and sitting behind <laughs> Allen or going to the Chiefs. But I've tried to – the commanders, I say, because they gave um, picks and $28 million to Wentz. So not only do you have to sit behind someone for at least two years, you have to sit behind somebody that you know that you're better than from day one. And so that's that's why I put that as the worst landing spot. Interesting. Uh, so my top quarterback is Kenny Pickett. Has been, will be, always, always has been. Uh, best landing spot, also Carolina. Nice landing spot. Gives him a chance to start, but not a place he would be forced into action. If he does struggle in minicamp or is a little behind, Darnold can lead that, lead that offense and get them a high draft pick for next year to help Kenny Pickett. Um so a place where he might be able to sit and learn if he needs to, or if he doesn't, then he jumps in, as mentioned, more and McCaffrey and, and others as far as weapons. Worst landing spot, I had the Giants here. Uh, he still would be in a competition with Daniel Jones, but I believe there's a lot more pressure in New Jersey, uh, and he might be thrust into that lineup right away. And they lack, they lack the weapons that Carolina might have. I mean, Barthy's a great weapon, but he's never healthy. Uh, just kind of look at the receivers, kind of the same thing. What do you say for running back here, sir? Top running back, what with the consensus here, Brees Hall, uh, Iowa State. Best landing spot for him to me is Atlanta. So this was uh, – you look around the league at running backs – there's a lot of teams with a young mm-hmm. uh, running back or or a mid twenties running back that's a, a three down uh, kind of mainstay there. So there wasn't a whole lot of great landing spots for a running back, just because again we talked about the running back being a little bit weaker class. Uh, so there's no guarantee that any of these running backs come out and are just a a three down back for anyone. But I think Atlanta would be the best. Just and I know they they re-signed Cordell. Cordero Patterson, who had a great year last year, and I think Patterson is going to be involved. But if they bring in a guy like uh, Hall, 
they're going to put him on the field mm -hmm. and use him. They'll find other ways to use Patterson. Patterson is kind of a gadget guy. You can you can line him up at receiver, just use him as a third down back. They'll figure that piece out. So I like that spot. You can have them both on the field pretty easily. Yeah. The worst landing spot for me, again, there's plenty of these. I just put the Colts because nobody's starting over Jonathan Taylor for the next nine years. So <laughs> I think that's fair. So uh, uh, Brees or Breezy Hall was my top guy. Is it Breezy? I don't know if it's Breezy or not. I, I prefer Breezy just because of the way it's spelled. Um, I thought best possible landing spot here, Buffalo or another contender where he could have a shot at starting and playing a big role. I know some people are, are sold on Singletary. I like Singletary, but I think Hall could come in there and unseat Singletary as a starter pretty quickly. So I think a, a spot where he could come in and start and get one, two, third down, down carries uh, would be a good place for him. Just somewhere he can have a bigger role. I think the worst spot is somewhere where He'd be in a committee that already has two quality running backs ahead of him and or Houston. Houston, I saw in a couple of mock drafts taking him early in the second round. I don't know that anyone would want to go to Houston at this point. Um, so that's where I went with that committee where there's already two quality running backs or Houston. Although in Houston, he would start, but he'd be playing behind a shady offensive um, line and excuse me. no quarterback. Sorry, I tapped your lines. This is Marlon Mack's agent. Uh, he will not be starting in Houston. Marlon Mack's going for 1,600 yards this year in Houston, sir. <laughs> All right. The, the fact that you just mentioned Marlon Mack, who's been irrelevant for the last two and a half years because he can't stay healthy, is really sad. Uh, what about wide receiver? Well, I said it above. Uh, Traylon Burks is still my – I can't believe he's still your number one. But okay, continue on. <laughs> He is still my number one guy. My best landing spot, New England, because he can step right in there and be better than Devontae Parker and at least be a, a number two wide receiver at worst. A little bonus here, uh, Arizona. Uh, Kirk's gone. Somebody needs to fill that second role, and I know they have Rondale Moore, who I like a lot, but again, he's more of a slot guy, a, a, a gadget-type player. So I think Burks would be a nice addition on the other side of Hopkins or even uh, Green Bay. Green Bay takes him, all of a sudden you've got a – probably he steps in as the number one role in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So. I went a little different here. I went with – My worst uh, – well, I, let me give you my worst ahead. landing spot, sir. Yeah, go ahead. My worst landing spot is Seattle because you've got Metcalf who's going to get – Baker Mayfield's going to be his quarterback. Yeah, you've, you've got Metcalf, and then you're either going to have, what, Jake Fromm or – Mayfield, so I, I don't love that option in Seattle. So I went with my best wide receiver is Jamison Williams. I put his best landing spot as New Orleans, a stable franchise with other players he can learn from, i.e., you know, um, why is his name slipping my mind? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, who's been injured for the last six years. But I expect to bounce back big, mostly because I have him in a league or two. Um, but I think that'd be a good spot for him to go. He'd have Jameis Winston, who's a good quarterback, especially with weapons. Um, he might throw 30 interceptions, but he also throw 30 touchdowns. I put the worst landing spot for him as Philly. A lot of questions in brotherly love. And uh, there's much better landing spots up and down the draft board than Philadelphia. 
actually saw a mock draft today where Philadelphia with their first two picks take wide receivers, including Jameis Williams or Jameson Williams. So hopefully he he stays away from from Philly. But uh, yeah, I, I would like him a lot in a place like New Orleans, Green Bay, Buffalo, a, a place where he's not going to be counted on as the number one receiver. Yeah, man, I've been trying. Uh, Iraq and I have been going back and forth with a trade involving the two main players under Higgins and Devontae Smith. And it's just Philly seems like a place where ride receivers go to die at this point. Uh, I just don't have a lot of faith that Smith. Uh, I like Smith a lot, but you know, you saw what they did to Rager, John Rager. I mean, he's essentially out of the league at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my, my biggest problem with Philly is, is, is Jalen Hurst going to be a quarterback? And if so, can he be an NFL caliber starting quarterback? Because I don't think he can be. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, but from what he showed this year, I, I just don't see it. You know, if he's they, a he's a better fantasy quarterback right now than he is an NFL quarterback, NFL quarterback for sure. Yeah, and part of the reason why he's a good fantasy quarterback is because he can he can throw and run. Right. Um, so, as far as wide receiver goes, that that hurts their value. You don't necessarily want a guy that could end up throwing for more yards than or running for more yards than he throws for. Right. All right. So All right. This brings us to the kisser kick, which we did not have last week. We have a couple this week. I know that this is our favorite little topic in the topic. So I'll let you start off here. What's your three through one? All right, and I believe we're going draft style here as well. So we were, yes, my first one, correct. kiss or kick, Bill's going offense in round one. I kick that, and oddly enough, my first uh, kiss or kick is also a Bill's question. I kick that. Depending on what they do with the rest of free agency, um, I believe there's a position of need right now that outweighs any offensive position on the field. I believe this leads me into my first kiss or kick. Kiss or kick, Buffalo needing to take a quarterback in round one, especially if one isn't signed prior to the draft. Cornerback? Cornerback, yes. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know that it's a must, but it was certainly I would agree that it's probably a top need and usually you know where they're going to be drafting that's a good place to go get a top you're not going to get the top cornerback or not the top two cornerbacks off the board uh those tend to go in the top 20 I think right now they're projected to get a the number two or number three cornerback off the board um just because there's so many other positions that this draft is deeper at mm -hmm. but um I'd really like. To yeah, see, I'd still really like to see a reunion with Stefan Gilmore. I know you don't like that, but I would really like to see that. Look, is Gilmore going to help him? Yes. Do I really want? Do I care if Gilmore comes back? No, I'm fine with him not coming back to Buffalo. <laughs> but he chose. He chose. He chose to go to New England. That's on him. Yeah, he did. See you he later. Did. But now, as a number two, I know he's 31, but I'm telling you, I don't see anyone. In the he's good. He's still good. I mean, yeah, and, and, and Tredavious, from all reports, is ahead of schedule. So, yeah. All right. What's your yeah. number two, sir? Imagine if we had Trey White last year. Uh, 
if we had, if we had, if we had Trey White in the playoffs, we would, we would have been playing in the Super Bowl. Not saying we would have uh, won, but we would have been playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, all right. Next up, kiss or kick. Uh, Michigan edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson is the no-brainer number one overall pick. I'm going to kick this. Um, I think he should be the number one pick, but I don't think he's a no-brainer. I don't know if there's a no-brainer first pick in this draft. I've seen a couple of mock drafts where he doesn't go number one, and mm-hmm. I, I can't hate on it. Um, so I think two – if I had another one pick, honestly, this year I'd be looking to trade out of that spot and, and getting other picks, but that's just me. I don't think he's a no-brainer, though. I, this isn't like when Andrew Luck went first or, you know, some of the other top quarterbacks or even Mario Williams, he went first back in the day to Houston. Those guys were no-brainers. I don't know if Aiden Hutchinson is a no-brainer here. I believe he is a top draft pick, but I don't know if he's a no-brainer number one pick. I think I disagree, I, and I get what you're saying. And I've seen a couple of mock drafts recently where, yes, yeah, they put somebody else number one. But to me, uh, Hutchinson is pretty much a lock to be uh, – not saying he's going to come out and be a Hall of Fame NFL player, uh, but I think he's a lock to be really good uh, and a disruptor on defense. Uh, so – that's the problem, though. I mean, obviously no one is a lock to be a Hall of Famer, but you assume some of these guys are locks to be Hall of Famers. Like Andrew Luck, for example. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. He didn't play no. very long. He was hurt a lot. Of course he's not. He was hurt not a lot. But, but at the time when he was drafted, he was a lock to be a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Uh, Mario Williams, same thing. and He's probably not even a Hall of Famer at this point. But so I don't know if anyone's a lock. And I think with this draft class being as weak as it is, if I have the number one pick, I'm looking to trade out of it. And one of these quarterback-hungry teams could jump up and take a quarterback because quarterback is that important. If one of these guys comes out and blows away their pro day where uh, on campus, they could absolutely jump up and be the number one pick because quarterback dominates this league. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win. The coming years, the Bills had a decent roster but no quarterback and struggled. And struggle. Now they have Allen, and everything is good. Well, but I look at it the opposite way. They had the quarterback to win the Super Bowl. They just didn't put the players around him. J.P. Lossman was probably the greatest quarterback in the history of the Bills franchise, and they just didn't put the weapons around him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> listen, listen. J.P. Bosman has as good of a shot at winning a Super Bowl as I do. And that's been the case since he was at Tulane. So, all right, my number two. Kiss or kick. Any of the other AFC teams not named Buffalo taking a quarterback in the first three rounds? AFC teams. Let's see. So you got Miami. Oh, oh, AFC. so So you got Miami, New England, and the Jets. Do you believe any of those teams will take a quarterback in the first three rounds? No, no. I, I think Miami, if Miami's going to do anything, they'll, they would want to try and trade two of four something, another quarterback at some point. But I think they're good with two of this year. So they're not going to waste that pick. They want to keep adding weapons around him or, or add something to the defense. Patriots seem set on Mac Jones. He had a good rookie year, so they're, they're solid there. Obviously, the Bills aren't taking anybody in the top three rounds. Uh, 
the Jets, they're not going to, they're not willing to come out already and say that Zach Wilson was a bust. I mean, he's going to get his shot at, at starting this year again. And, and again, they're going to try and add to either the defense or put another weapon to him in the first three rounds. So, no, I don't think there's any chance. I'll be honest. If I saw any of the three teams doing it, it would be the Patriots. Just because Belichick is arrogant, he he will try to get extra draft picks, and I could see him taking a guy in the third round. That doesn't necessarily push Mac, but at least is a threat to Mac, who's just sitting sitting there. Like if you if you if you stink, we're going to bring this guy in. Uh, uh, excuse me, this is Mac Jones' agent. Uh, there is no such thing as a threat to Mac Jones, sir. Take hey, those words back. Listen. I, that statement I, I am a huge believer he, in the future Hall of Famer, well, Mac Jones. Keep looking into the microphone. <laughs> I will get as close to the microphone as I want, and you will like it. <laughs> All right, my number one. Kiss or kick, a wide receiver, quarterback. It's not going to be running back. So let's say kiss or kick, a wide receiver or quarterback going in the top ten picks. There will be two. Uh, whether it's a quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback, quarterback, uh, wide receiver, quarterback, however you want to look at it, there will be at least two in the top ten. I wouldn't be surprised if there was three, but I'm going to go with at at least two in the top ten for sure. All right. All right, my last one. Kiss or kick, the Packers needing to take a wide receiver in the first two rounds of this draft. I mean, I'm kissing it because, yes, do they have to? Yes. If you ask me, will they? I would kick it because they they're never more, do. They're more likely to take a, a, a they're, quarterback. Yeah, they're, they're going to trade up to take Kenny Pickett <laughs> at six overall. Uh, uh, no, I mean, yes, I think they absolutely should, especially when you're talking about it is – we talked about being a weaker draft class, but – that. Wide receivers is pretty deep. I think you're still going to have a very good wide receiver on the board at the end of the first and at the end of the second, uh, you know, wherever they're picking for those. Um, so if you don't get them in the first, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, if you have, if you get to the end of the first, whenever they pick, I don't know, I don't know what their selection is, but um, if you've got a uh, Jamison Williams, a uh, what's the guy out of USC, uh, uh Anyway, Arkansas, Traylon Burks, Drake London out of USC, uh, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Like one of those guys is going to be there at the end of the first round. Uh, And so I think that's what they should be doing. I just – I don't have the faith that the Packers will do it, but should they? Yeah, absolutely. They have the 28th pick in the in the NFL draft. Yeah. And one of those receivers is going to be there, and they should absolutely do it, but they won't. No, I don't think they will either, although they should, especially losing after losing Adam. So we'll see what happens. That wraps up segment one. We'll be back with segment two, Off the Beaten Welcome back to Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. We are back for segment two, and we're going to go a little off the beaten path 
a little. It's time for Sports Fantasies Top 10. Sports Fantasies Top 10. All right, we're going a little uh, top 10 here. And Mr. Miller, we are going top 10 all-time sports announcer calls. I'm going to be honest, this one was tougher than I thought it would be. I, 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 I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. So I liked the idea when I was talking with you about it earlier this week. And then when I actually started looking at it, I'm like, eh, this is, this is harder than I thought. I thought there were more great sports calls. But, um, but. I'll be honest. I went, I went three that are repetitive and one of them is way too high because it's a Homer pick. And then Fair, I, went, okay. I, I went seven okay. that, that were, you know, kind of big calls. And I think most people will recognize them that have been paying sure. any attention to sports over the last 30 years, 40 years. All right. Well, how do we usually start this? Ten through eight? I yeah, don't remember. Ten through seven, then six right, through ten. four, and then we alternate All right. three, two, one. All right, ten through seven, then, sir. All right, here we go. So my number ten, Chris Berman's <laughs> gone. I enjoy That's this. Nice. I enjoy yeah. this call a lot. It is it is something you hear frequently. He still calls the home run derby almost every year for ESPN. Yeah. So the Chris Berman back 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 gone is number ten. Number okay. nine, it's a little b- 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 bonus because it's John Sterling's array of home run calls, kind of like it's an A-bomb for A-Rod. And then, of course, <laughs> okay. it's the the Yankees win. The Yankees okay. uh, win. I'm, I'm going to need you to back up from your mic a little bit. I don't... <laughs> uh, number eight, we're going to get into the more of the one-time calls here. Touch them all, Joe. Touch them all. Joe Carter walking off game seven against Mitch Williams in 1993. I remember this game very well. I I, I watched it as well. I fell asleep in the eighth inning. My mother woke me up. I remember watching the end of the game. Okay. Uh, Number seven, a win for the ages. Tiger Woods becomes a dominant Uh, force in the 1997 uh, Masters, winning by 12 strokes. Yes. What do you got, 10 through 7, sir? My number 10, Ball State student with, and boom, goes the dynamite. Uh, <laughs> epic call. Cheers. By Ball State student. My number 9, you just talked about it. It was Jim Nance, the 97 Masters, a win for the ages. Like you said, uh, oh, wait a second. I, Mike Trout just went yard. Blade should be on the show for this. Uh, everybody's pumped. Uh, the win for the ages is still used almost every year in like masters, uh, promotional advertisements on TV. So it was big time. My number eight sleeper pick here. It's the commentator on NBA jam. He's heating up. <laughs> He's on fire. Uh, I love that call. And my number seven, uh, maybe a little, uh, too low, but it was the 88 world series. Famed announcer of the Dodgers, Vin Scully. Uh, Gibson, the walk-off homer in the World Series versus Eckersley. She is gone to the home run ball hit by Mr. Eckersley on on one good leg. What's fantastic is uh, I have that call later on, and I have a different version of that call later on. All right, so my six through four here, I have number six, send it in, Jerome. 
to Bill Rafferty, calling Jerome Wayne stuff that shattered a backboard in 1988. I tell and, you what, our our impersonations of these are just spot on, aren't they? Send it in, Jerome. Send it I'm at the game. Okay. Uh, number five, they won it on a dunk as SC State upends Houston to win the championship game. Jimmy V's unprecedented national championship back in, what is it, 1983, I believe? Three, uh, three, I want to say, yeah. Yeah. All right. And number four, you just mentioned it. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't yeah. believe what I just saw. Gibson's home run to beat the A's. You mentioned it off Eckersley, 1988. I actually remember that game. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it was that was the Earthquake World Series, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was it was quite the series of a, a back and forth for sure between LA and Oakland. My number six, it's commentator Harry Doyle of Major League, <laughs> J- just a bit outside. Yeah, that's my favorite uh, one. There. So for b- b- bonus, who is Harry Doyle in real life, and who does he call games for? It, it's Bob Euchre. Yeah, who does he call games for? Does he call games for somebody? He does, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. At least he did. I don't know if he still does. My number five, it's Pepper Brooks in the movie Dodgeball. Uh, (laughs) I'm really going off the beaten path here, but so the particular one I'm talking about, the commentator says, Average Joe's is going to forfeit the match, to which Pepper says, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. (laughs) I like that. Uh, uh, shout out to Marty Bird, Ozarks. I'm not even, uh, I'm yeah. not even sure if we can continue on. <laughs> My number four, I'll get back to some, a serious call. It was 1973. It was Foreman versus Frazier. Howard Cosell, down goes Frazier. I'll be honest, I almost included this, but it was before I was born, so I left it off the list. Yeah, it's just one that – so, that, I mean, the last few – It I'm is very have, recognizable. I agree with you. Yeah, it's just one when you talk about all-time calls. This is one that springs to my mind, even though I wasn't there actually for it. So, number three, Miller. Number three for me uh, also happened the year I was born. Prior to me being born, I believe, or right after I was born, the band is on the field. The band yes. is on the field. The Stanford 1982 Stanford versus Cal football game. Of course, uh, Stanford's band was on the field as Cal was scoring the game-winning touchdown. One of the craziest finishes you'll ever see. Your number number, three, sir. My number three, again, I I was not really around for this, but uh, I I hear it when I talk about uh, calls. L. Michaels, do you believe in miracles when USA beat the Soviet Union? Uh, in hockey, I, I believe in the, I guess the Olympics. Yeah, I think it was 1980, and uh, that is two on your list, sir. Uh, we'll get back right. to that in a minute. My number right. two, I told you I had a Homer uh, everyday call on here, and this is it. Hello again, everybody. It's a beautiful day for baseball. <laughs> it started every game the same way. Harry Carey, of course, it's part of the reason why I'm a Cubs fan. Harry Carey drew me in the two twenty uh, start time. The two twenty start time on WGN. It's a beautiful day for baseball. Hello, everybody. So Harry Carey, tip of the hat, RIP. That's my number yeah. two. God love Harry Carey. My number two was, and actually this is uh, when we thought about doing this, this is the one that immediately popped into my head. 
I have no idea why. It's so old. Uh, I certainly wasn't around for it, but when I think of all-time sports calls, this is the one that always comes to the front of my mind. It was Sixers Celtics uh, announcer Johnny Most. Havlicek stole the ball. Havlicek stole the ball. Uh, that's It's that's so big... funny because I've heard that several times, but I just don't relate to it because I was not around during that time. So, of course, I already gave away my number one. It is the U.S. versus the USSR hockey game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Do you believe in miracles? U.S. upsetting the USSR in hockey, which is actually the uh, semifinal match, not the gold medal match, uh, which most people don't remember, but that is the case. So the U.S. upsetting USSR is my number one call. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. My number one is a homer pick, and really the reason I even recommended doing this top 10 is because I was watching the retirement ceremony for Rick Jenner, uh, announcer for the Buffalo Sabres, who I, I still to this day, and probably probably biased, but I don't know, uh, the greatest announcer I've ever heard, and he's been doing it for decades, uh, but my uh, all-time uh, most memorable one from him um, partly because it was a great call, partly because I was at the game. It was Brad May's overtime winner to sweep Boston in the playoffs. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Uh, I could still remember that, just the crowd. Of course, I didn't, you know, I was at the game, so I didn't hear the actual call until afterwards listening back to it. Uh, but Rick Jenneret, you could go a number. You could go a number of different ways there. Again, I think he's the greatest all-time announcer in the history of sports. Partly bias. No bias, no bias. But partly because he is great. That wraps up our Off the Beaten Path Top 10. We did it in 10 minutes and 33 seconds. I'm not even surprised because we are that efficient. If Blaze or LTG were on the show, we'd be here for another 20 minutes. So we're doing great so far, which can only mean we're going to come back for our final segment, baseball, (laughs) put in four hours on this topic, and screw it up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. Welcome back. Episode 53, Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. 53. Segment Welcome back to Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarthy. Okay, stop that. I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) We're going to talk about some baseball early season. We're three days in. We're just about three days in. I think the Angels are going to lock up their game. They're up 2 nothing. So they'll probably probably blow it because Blades isn't here. We're going to go a little headlines, a little kiss or kick, a little trades, trades, and more trades. It used to be Blades trades, but that man does not trade anymore. (laughs) No, he does not. So let's start with the headlines. Headlines from three days. Top three headlines from three days. What do you have at number three, sir? Well, unfortunately, we already talked about most of ours. You blew that early on. (laughs) Uh, One for me was Akuna Freeman. We've covered that. So let me give you my next one. Uh, early season scuffle after the Nationals being the Mets four times over a two-day period. I thought that was pretty good. Interesting enough, my number three, Mets, Nats, empty benches on day two. 
Of course, I have a b -b -b bonus here. Contreras continues to get hits by the Brewers, although the Cubs retaliated today, and Keegan Thompson gets ejected from the Cubs game. Let's start with the Mets Nats emptying the benches. What do you got to say about this, sir? Not a whole lot. I mean, look, if you get hit being four times in two days, yeah, I feel like there's something to that. You probably should uh, charge the mound and, and, and get out there. Now, I know the one with Lindor – uh, even Lindor said he didn't think it was intentional. The pitcher said it certainly wasn't intentional. Um, but, look, I always like a good uh, bench-clearing brawl, so I'm happy to see it early on in the season. That's why I say the Lindor is definitely intentional. Let's, let's go. More fighting, less boring. Let's go. <laughs> less boring. <laughs> so Contreras continues to get hit by the Brewers. Uh, I add this as a b -b bonus because – he got hit about six times by the Brewers last year. He, he's gotten hit twice in two days <laughs> by the Brewers this year. And so the Cubs retaliate and hit, uh, like I said, I believe the guy's name is Keegan Thompson, hit, hits a Brewer today, gets ejected, and just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, oh, well. <laughs> because, you know, Contreras starts John. Hayward runs in from the outfield. Hayward, as, as a veteran presence, hasn't done much in his time in Chicago, but he will protect his guys. Sure. Thanks, thanks for the $168 million worth of protecting your guys, Hayward, because that's about all he's done. But I'd love to see the, the early season emotions and guys getting into it, especially with the Cubs team who isn't expected to compete. I know they're 2-0 against the favorites in the NL Central or the second favorites in the NL Central. So I'll take it. Any little bit of positivity here early season, I'll take. Number two for you, Mr. Mr. McCarty. That's right, my number one. But, uh, and again, we talked about it, but Giolito hurt. So the White Sox now you've got Giolito hurt, joins Lance Lynn on the injured list, which means they're already having to call up Vince Velasquez as a starter, as well as possibly they, they signed Johnny Cueto to a minor league contract, so you might, might see Johnny Cueto in there. Now, again, Giolito is only supposed to miss a couple of stars. I'm not sure on Lynn. I don't think it's too – I think he's extreme. supposed to be out about a month at, at most. But I, th I think I, – I, I put this in here because it's been an ongoing story the last couple of years, what pitchers can stay healthy. I mean, that really – plays a lot into uh, not only fantasy, but obviously, you know, in real life uh, for their teams. Um, because we've seen it's hard to just throw any old random player in as a starter in major leagues. They typically get lit up. So it's survival of the fittest sometimes when it comes to pitching staffs. So a tough blow early on for the White Sox. I'll be quite honest. Number two for me with GLVO leaving the game behind the I.L., uh, only expect them to miss the two starts. Um, but like we talked about in our baseball preview show, the White Sox already downwind. They're not very deep. This is part of the reason why I took the Tigers to finish ahead of them. Um, so I'm curious to see how they rebound from this. Now they all of a sudden have Cueto and some other below average guys trying to pitch for them in the rotation. Hopefully it's only 10 days for their sake, but if it goes longer, I can really see them starting to struggle. What's yeah. your number one, or is that all you had? That's all I got. All right, so my number one, the changes from the lockout has allowed 53 of the top 150 prospects to start at the major league level this year. 
I believe this is an amazing trend that we're going to see continue over the next few years where teams aren't going to leave the top prospects in the minor leagues for the first two, three, four weeks because of service time. So I think this is a great change for Major League Baseball, the fact that we have Witt and Torkelson and others in the Major Leagues to start well, the season. I believe this is a great trend because otherwise we wouldn't have seen this. They would have been down for the first two, three, four weeks just to make sure that they had that extra year of control, and now we don't have to worry about that. Well, I'd like to say, first off, I, I thought we were talking about top three headlines. Now you're going into the early season trends, which is a different – This uh, is a headline up- to me, sir. But you, you, the first uh, agenda item was very uh, season trends, and you skipped over that and went to the top three. I was okay with that. It's your call. You're the host. Uh, but now we're jumping back into that. So I'm going to jump into that with the early season trends because I had on here as well rookies breaking camp and making the roster. So like you said. So I, like I, I said, I mean, great minds think alike. You're just a little slow to the draw. Yeah, I got it. Uh, it's kind of like – football to me right where we've seen it used to be those rookie quarterbacks were going to sit behind the veteran for a while we don't see that anymore those first second round quarterbacks come in they play right off the bat a lot and so yeah so you talked uh, you touched on Bobby Witt uh CJ Abrams now that was only a result of Tatis being hurt yeah but he, he got to start today over Kim he started the last two days yeah uh over Kim uh is hasn't looked good. One for eight. Uh, Witt had a... And Kim actually good in his start, right? He did. He did. Uh, and then they benched him for two games for whatever reason. But because uh, Profar is playing uh, well. In the first couple. Of, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like you said, it's... I like seeing that. Uh, those, those rookies getting some time to play. Um, and like you said, I think you will see that more and more moving forward. And, and quite honestly, if they struggle, you send them down. Who cares, you know? But right. we, we don't have that. This really started with Chris Bryant, right, back about six, seven years ago where he started the first ten games down to one rookie of the year, uh, had an amazing season. Did he need to start those first ten games down? No, but because of the rules, he did. And the coach got an extra year of control out of him. Then they traded them anyway, so it was really pointless in my opinion. But now we get to see the wit, the Torkelson, the and I think uh, wit, I think wit had a, I think wit had the game-winning RBI in the opening day for the for the Royals. He, he did, yes, and I, I believe I believe Torkelson made a heck of a defensive play today that that, that helped the Tigers. Although I think they, I believe they still lost, but. These are the type of things that we would be talking about. Why are they keeping them down for 10 days or 14 days or whatever the case may be, and now we don't have to worry about that. The new rules yeah. really allow them to be up. And then, and then if they win, like, Rookie of the Year honors, then they are going to get paid more than they normally would. So I like these changes quite a bit. Let's get into trades, trades, and more trades. Again, this oh, should be Blades uh, wait trades. A, wait a second. Wait a uh, so we're just completely jumping very, very early season trends. Can I give my other ones? Or? Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to do. I don't remember seeing very early season trends, but it's uh, what you put on the agenda. But are, okay, fair enough. I'm pretty sure I had top three headlines and then trades, trades, and more trades. But I could be wrong. I mean, 
I well, did, you are. I, 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 I did this at work, so it's possible I did it wrong. You, you are wrong, but it's okay. So I, I just have one then for very early season trends, as you sent to me for an agenda item. And uh, new faces <laughs> delivering in new places. Walk-offs by Josh Donaldson with the Yankees and Javier Baez with the Tigers. That's all. That's all I got. I mean, quite honestly, we don't want to talk about Javier Baez because that's the next Cub. Rizzo is also thriving in New York like we thought he would. Don't want to talk about that. Uh, Josh Donaldson, I mean, it's great to talk about him early season because that's all he'll play is early in the season. Then he'll be hurt. I agree with that. All right. Trades, trades, and more trades. What what do we got here? I'm assuming we're starting with – let's start with the combo league because that is not my favorite league. Hung jury is. Let's start with combo league. I'll pull it up now. All right. So combo league, I gave Suga – Miguel Sano, uh, Pineda, the pitcher for the Tigers now, uh, and Michael Lorenzen, and a second for Moncada, the third baseman for the White Sox. Uh, it doesn't much matter, but your thoughts? Honestly, it sounds to me like a pretty fair trade. You both know what you're doing. Yeah, I look, I mean, it was these were – it sounds like a lot on paper for one player, but Mancada is a third baseman. I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Mancada. I always feel like he's going to uh, get back to that 4.3 level that he had one time, but he'll probably be 3.4, 3.5 like he always is. But look, Seno, Pineda, Lorenzen, I mean, it, they, they were all players I picked up in free agency after we had the draft, so whatever. Let's but. be honest. Seno is probably a 3-2, three, 3-3 Three five max guy. Pineda's injured all the time. Lorenzen will end up being a reliever, a second round pick. Who cares? I mean, I think this is a very even trade. I don't see any issue with it at all. I mean, Mikada, if he turns it around, could be a four point per game guy. However, he's injured all the time, so three two is probably more. Yeah, he's, he's injured already as well. Uh, he the day after I traded for him, he was put on the injured list. Vil. Yeah, Suga. Again, he's back at it. He gave up our boy Rizzo to cream of the crop for Joey Votto. What a blockbuster here. I'll be honest. I love this trade for cream of the crop. I think Rizzo's going to thrive with the Yankees for a full year. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be great because he's in his, what, mid-30s. But Votto's in his late 30s with the Reds, a team that traded away almost everybody. I like this trade a lot for cream of the crop. I don't love him for Suga. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I, I know why he did it. Suga did it because of a cap move because he had um, – it was because of Abrams. Abrams was in his minors, and uh, it wasn't going to get the green flag because he was starting day one with the Padres. So he had to make cap room because uh, he had sent me uh, Rizzo for Kron, mm-hmm. um, which, well, I, it might have been more involved. But, I, but I, I just remember telling him, like, I wouldn't trade Kron for Wh- Rizzo just because I think Kron does close to four. And even if Rizzo does close to four, it's a difference of $10 and $3. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Rizzo. I'll be honest. So, I would have I loved that trade for you, too. I understand why you didn't do it, but I would have loved that trade. Nah. For you. Uh, I mean, Kron is literally outscored in the last three years, uh, and even including when he when Rizzo was in New York last year, and he's seven dollars cheaper. 
So uh, that was a no brainer. I'm telling you, Rizzo's going to have a big year in New York this year. He, he, that's fine, he, but a, a, a big year for Rizzo is like 3 7. So it's, it's all good. But uh, 4.1 for Rizzo this year, 3 3 for Karan. That would be fine. I mean, 4 1 is fine for, uh, well, I, Karan's never done 3 3. I, he's I mean, he's, this a floor, year. Well, he's a floor 3 8 guy. You know, see. Where's your Where's your stat guy? You, you used to have a stat guy. Where did he go? Because you you need to use him. Uh, oh yeah, there's the stat guy. <laughs> He's upset right now. I'm trash talking Rizzo. Uh, anyway, next up, Sug gives his brother because half this league is related to each other. A third of those. He gives Kuga Enrique Hernandez for two prospects. Uh, no, one no, of them, no, 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 no. He gave him Lernick. What? He gave him yeah, Lernick uh, uh, or I, I, Hernandez I, and Curry. That's, that's what I just said. So, <laughs> Sug gives Kuga Enrique <laughs> Hernandez for two prospects. Curry, a terribly rated prospect pitcher for no, the Guardians. Kuga gave Sug Hernandez and Curry for Lernick. Huh? <laughs> Listen, Kuga, listen, Kuga. I, I can barely see the screen. All right, so I, I just I, I flip flopped it. Is that what you're saying? Kuga, Lernick for Curry and Hernandez. <laughs> okay, so I flip flopped it. Whatever. Okay, so Kuga gives Sug Enrique Hernandez for two prospects. And, right? Is that where we're at? No, no. Sug gives Lernick for Curry and Hernandez. <laughs> I cannot see the screen right now, and I'm 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 out doing this somehow. Like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, give you a breakdown of these players, and you tell me who gave who. So, Enrique Hernandez. Okay, he's fine. Kiki. Whatever. Uh, well, his real name is Enrique, but okay. No, uh, they call him Kiki. I, I don't. Yeah, I get what they call him. I'm I'm giving you his name. Uh, <laughs> Xavier Curry, a again a terribly rated prospect pitcher for the Guardian, shouldn't be like in your minor league system, but. And then, so Twins prospect Larnick, which Larnick is decent. Uh, so again, I, apparently, I have no idea who gave who what here. I like I like Larnick more than any of the players in this deal. But I I, I agree with you. Uh, of course, of <laughs> course, Kuga Jeff is getting Larnick, and he's giving up Curry and Hernandez. Who cares? Let's move on. What's next? My, well, my main problem with this is that Sug hasn't responded to a trade. All season for me, he, he he didn't even set his lineup today, but he's making a trade with his brother. Like, well, and, and of course, his brother who is who has left the football league but is still in the baseball league. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, All right, it is um, what it is. Let's go to Hung. Hung Jury. So right after we got off the air last week, you know, I talked about a deal that I was thinking of taking on the air. It didn't happen, but like within three minutes after getting off the air. I gave your brother Chico, uh, Duran, Jake DeGrom, and pitcher Will Smith for Re- not, Ryu. Not, I will well, slap you, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not, well, I was thinking not catcher Will Smith, but that one as well. Uh, for Ryu, Capri Leon, however you say his name, I just call him Cap, Cap from Cap. the A's. 
and Volpe. Yankees number one number one prospect Volpe. We've talked about it a little bit, but what are your thoughts here? I thought it was a pretty even trade. I mean, the Grab, of course, out until June or July. Uh, Will Smith now the setup guy in Atlanta, although with the way that um, uh, Jansen looked tonight, maybe Will Smith becomes the closer. Uh, Durant, a prospect, of course. Uh, Volpe being the, the top guy in this trade, in my opinion. If he becomes the Yankees shortstop in the next year or two, I believe he is the top guy in this deal. Rayu, I like, but he is older, not really a power pitcher, so his value in fantasy is up and down. Cap, I like, don't love, uh, especially with him being hurt already, and he's probably going to be the number two guy in Oakland. I thought it was a pretty even deal all around. Uh, I give a slight edge to you long term. This season, if the Grom comes back and pitches like the Grom at all, I think uh, Chico's got a little bit better deal for this year. Yeah, I'm just again frightened, as we all are, about Degrom uh, with the injuries. He is 33; he'll be 34 this season. Uh, already another injury, uh, but he is the best. I mean, he's the best player in the deal right now for sure. If if he does end up pitching, he's 18 point per game guy, if not higher. Uh, so I looked at it as Ryu, if he can get me, if Ryu can get me 13, which I think is safe, and Cap can get me 12, which I think is safe, uh, then I think that outscores to Grom and Will Smith, and then I'll take Volpe over uh, Duran all day. But next, but immediately after that, uh, and I don't know if you two are in cahoots, but my co-host gives his brother uh, Clevenger, uh, who is already injured again, Mike Miner. Charlie Morton, a first and a second for Marcus Simeon and the aforementioned DeGrom. I'll be honest, I was feeling very good when I made this trade. Uh, I believe I talked to you about it the day after. I uh, don't exactly remember making this trade. Uh, The fact I got Simeon made me feel good, although I don't think Simeon can repeat what he did last year. DeGrom comes back in June, I'm fine with this. Uh, If he is out past June and into July or August, I feel like uh, Chico's got the better deal. Morton looked really good in his start. Miner's out for a little bit. The first and second is what it is, and Clevenger's currently out right now too. I think it comes down to what DeGrom, when he comes back and what he does when he comes back. Yeah, it comes down really to DeGrom and Clevenger to me because if Clevenger – is healthy at some point, then he's a 16 point per game guy, probably. But again, like Clevenger's been injured every year. Yeah, he's been uh, injured last couple of years. And if the if DeGrom comes back in his 19 20 and Simeon is close to four, I like it for myself. If it, that doesn't happen, I like it for him. Mike Miner is an underrated pitcher. But as far as dynasty value, there's not a ton there. I, he's old. Uh, he does seem to perform well still. Uh, but And same with Charlie Morton. I think Charlie Morton's 38. He is. Uh, and, and he keeps talking about retirement, although he keeps just putting up 15, 16 points per game. So so he still, he still gets it done. He's going to have a great year as long as he stays healthy in Atlanta. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The first and the second, I don't care about at all. They're going to be, it's going to be a late first. And it's going to be a late second. Uh, 
if they were yours. I don't remember who's they, they are were, but... mine. Yes. So I give the slight edge to you. I know you were concerned with how much pitching you gave up, but to me, if Clevenger is going to be hurt, um, I think you do Miner and Morton for Degrom straight up all day, mm-hmm. and I think Semyon with the ability to play second base. Uh, with the eligibility, he's a top three uh, second base guy. Uh, so I give you the edge here yeah, for sure. Quite honestly, if Simeon gets me three, eight or more, I, I like the deal for me. If he doesn't, then I like the deal for him. And if the crumbs out, if the if the what, crumbs out past June, I don't like it for me. I don't think Simeon is what four six like he was last year. Yeah, I need Simeon to be three eight in the ground to be healthy I, after July. I think three eight's a pretty safe floor. Uh, I think he will get to four points per game. So, all right, that's it for the trade. So next up, we have. Well, this is your segment now. Again, I was just doing the trades. Go ahead. Here we go. Coming back, kiss or kick, fantasy baseball style. What's your number three? Oh, you're gonna love this. My first, well, actually, I went all Yankees in my kiss or kick <laughs> fantasy style. We should have got <laughs> we, we should have got Chico's on here for this because I did care less about the Yankees. And, and these are basically over unders. So kiss or kick Rizzo at three point eight points per game or higher. I already know where you're going with this, but here's the thing. So you start out with the Yankees question with the Yankee that I actually like. I believe this was good year. $81, though, I tell you what. But at, at 3.8, I, I believe he does come 3.75, 3.8, I think he's going to be right in that range. So I, I will All love right. it there. He hasn't come close to that in years, but I, okay, I could see. Yeah, sure. All right, next up, Joey Gallo. Kiss or kick? Four points per game or higher. Uh, I love Joey Gallo, but you're going to kick this. He just keeps disappointing me all around. I believe he is going to finish at about 3-5, maybe 3-6, maybe 3-3, somewhere in there, I think. 3-3 to 3-6. I don't disagree. Uh, You know, Gallo is one of those guys that you've got Gallo, which for whatever reason is always a popular name, and you add that to the Yankees. Any Yankees player, I feel like in fantasy, is elevated for whatever reason, whether they're good or not good. Especially the uh, Yankees players because yeah. it's three fourteen down the right field line. For sure, but yeah, like you said, Gallo has has hit four points per game once in his career, and that was a seventy game sample where he hit like five two uh, in Texas. So my last one, I think Gallo would would hit four points per game in Cincinnati. My last one, Blades Boy, Glaber, Torres, kiss or kick, can he get to 3.5 this season? I kick this, and here's why. I don't think Glaber, if he stays in Europe, is going to play enough to get to 3.5 points per game. Uh, I like Glaber, always have been. He was a top prospect with the Cubs. Um, they traded him for Chapman. Of course, he's part of the Chapman deal. But I just think in that lineup where you got LeMayhew and – Isaiah Kiner, Kleffa, Falufa, and Josh Donaldson. <laughs> I think he's going to struggle to get time unless one of those guys get hurt. I think so. I, I believe he finishes under three five. 
my problem with Torres, and like you said, he's still 25 years old. He was a big-time prospect. I do like him, and you like the potential, but at the same time, the one year where everything went right, where he had like 34 home runs and hit for a good average, et cetera, he hit 4.1 fantasy mm-hmm. points per game. So, And he's every other year has been like in the twos or low three. So – if that's your if your peak is four point one and you and you've done it once in four or five seasons, yeah, I'm with you. I I don't see how he hits that. I do have a bonus here. Josh, bonus. Josh Donaldson. Yeah, sure, it might be a fourteen game sample if he's injured all year, but three three point eight points per game or higher. I love it because I think he's gonna stay healthy. I think he'll be in that three eight to four two range. I definitely think Donaldson will do it. Uh, and I think part of that's because the Yankees will be smart. I think they'll DH them sometimes and give them days off. I definitely think they'll finish over 3.8 per game. All right. That's it for me. All right. Kiss or kick. Playing musical chairs early in their season with relief pitchers. Uh, well, I, I am going to – well, this is a fantasy run, so I'm going to kick for a uh, major league uh, perspective. Yeah, sure. Uh, why not? But from a fantasy perspective, I hate it. Like I, I think of Seattle where you've got basically three guys that they're say they're going to have a closer by committee. Uh, Castillo uh, saved it today. I think is it uh, – I, I I don't know. There's like three of them in Seattle, and I think you have I think you have two or three with the Cubs that are that are eligible to save, including like the guy that, that closed it I, Thursday and then I, he pitched in a nine nothing game today. I was watching the Giants at Marlins game today. Jake McGee, who I thought was he's been like, in the eighth inning. Yeah, legit uh, closer for the team. They even announced him as the closer. He was out there in the eighth inning, like you said. Uh, so I wish they would just have one, but it, it's almost like the uh, running back by committee in the NFL. Now you, you have a lot of teams going to that closer by committee in the MLB. All right. Number two, uh, kiss or kick cutting an aging struggling veteran for a hot start young guy, one who may or may not be in your minor league system or just on the free agent wire. Uh, for our dynasty fantasy league, yeah. we're talking. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'll, I'll kiss that. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it really depends on what you mean by struggling. Like, if we're talking about uh, two games in or three games in in the major league season, no, no, I, I'm talking more like uh, two, three, four weeks in. Then yeah, sure. Why not? Uh. But again, it, it it's it's hard to say without. It's kind of a case by case basis, to be honest. I mean, you know, has the guy produced at four points per game for the last six years, and a month into the season, he's at three? Are you going to drop him for, uh, like, you know, I picked up Jake Berger uh, of the White Sox today at third base. Uh, are you going to drop oh, him for him? No, of course not. You know, but. It's case by case. All right, perfect. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that too much. All right, kiss or kick. Blade's panicking if he loses two out of the first three weeks and blowing <laughs> up his roster. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course he's going to panic. Now, it's a different Blades right now, though. It is. So he's, it not, is. He, he's, not, he's, he's not, not consistently trading. So he'll be panicking. Will that result in trades? Doesn't look like it at this point. He's already panicking. He's already panicking. He's in his, <laughs> his he's in his squad car this evening. And- I, I, I've beaten beat him by by uh, twenty points, and he is panicking. He is shaking in his booties, and we still have nine days left or eight days left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's ready to blow it all up. But of course, I was hoping he was going to be on. That's why I included this one. <laughs> Do you have any nostalgic stories, sir? Well, no. I well, yes and no. First off, let me let me say this. Yes and no. We we talked last week about MLB the show. Yes, we did. Uh, let me tell you something. I love this game. I, I know there was just minor tweaks to it, but yes, I think those I, minor I, tweaks. I, I played it at my son's house. He he got the early version on his PS Five. And uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem much different than last year's version. It doesn't, but last year's version was pretty good. And so even the minor tweaks are really good. I love that. Uh, so I've been playing like franchise mode, you know, just against the the, the computer there. And uh, I love that the catcher actually calls the game for you now. Yeah, they put out the catcher mitt like where they they give you the call that they would suggest. And of course, right. I don't listen to it. Uh, I do. Um, Shocking. I love that I was playing. So when I started that opening series against the Rockies and the fans didn't show up until the fourth inning. Yeah, I remember you saying that. You love that. Like, pretty realistic. Like Dodgers fans don't show up until third, fourth, fifth inning. So I, I loved that. Uh, I've made some trades with my roster. Of course, I did a, you know, I don't just come out and. I come out and do a fantasy draft to start out my franchise. Yeah, of course. That's what um, my son does as well. I've got a good team. I've made some trades. My outfield is Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Luis <laughs> Robert, or Robert. Uh, around the horn, I've got Moncada. I've got Wander Franco, Jonathan India, Matt Olson first, <laughs> Ruiz catching. On the bench, I've got Jesus Sanchez and CJ Abrams. On the mound, Bueller, Kershaw, Manoa, Freed, and Ian Anderson. What a lineup. All right, all right. So so McCarty's the Dodgers fan. He has two Dodgers. <laughs> I understand. Yes, just the pitchers. Because you know what? The only Dodger I usually have on my franchise team is uh, Bellinger. I'm just – but I'm tired of Bellinger right now because he's just not – you know, he's, he's oh, changing Cody. his stance up. Oh, Cody. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't have uh, – I love Mookie Betts, but I don't have him on any of my fantasy teams. So I like to put my actual fantasy players on my uh, so my ammo. Do you remember the baseball game that started us of Ultimate Baseball Games? You mean RBI? RBI, yes. yes. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you know, you home run is like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the, like the, the cartoon characters almost – the only thing I remember about that game is David Cohen throwing about 107 miles an hour and no one else could throw over like 96. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so RBI baseball really kind of got us started with the video game baseball. And it was it was a pretty poor quality game. I mean, all in all, 
when you look back on it. And and looking to where we're at now with MLB the show twenty two, which is still very frustrating. I cannot pitch Otani and start him at DH. At least I couldn't at my son's house the other day. Yeah. When I, when I tried to do it. So I didn't start it. I started Syndergaard and started Otani in the lineup. Um, but looking where where we came from to where we're at now is it, pretty amazing. RBI baseball was ahead of its time, but still way behind where we're at now. So Yeah. And I was ahead of my time in RBI baseball. I'm still the best player I've ever seen in RBI baseball. Yes, I don't think. Let's be honest. When RBI baseball was out, you and I weren't really that close. Had you saw my game at that point, you would be the second best player you ever saw. I mean, I feel like hopefully they'll bring back cross play with RBI baseball Nintendo <laughs> and we could play online. If Nintendo makes a comeback, um, and, and and if I win, Ian will McCarty right. McCarty will automatically assume that the game is broken. <laughs> he is wrong. <laughs> Next time in your area, look. You know, I'm the type of gamer that the other gamers say I must have entered <laughs> cheat cheat code. You know, listen, listen. When I was the Padres, McCarty couldn't touch me. When I was the Cubs, McCarty. Just dominated me, and he was the Dodgers. Not my fault. McCarty's answer to all of this is the game was broken. If he wasn't the Dodgers. <laughs> well, you're 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 talking about MLB the Show right now, which you've had been playing for years. I uh, have been because because I'm a Xbox PlayStation owners guy. Just got it. And let me go back for a second. Uh, That's what I say to the Xbox. Although I'm really close to getting an Xbox because I can find one of those. I can not find the PS5. I was going to go back for a second, but I don't even re- remember what you were saying. <laughs> so the other piece I had to this. Though, you suck! More of the nostalgic story part of it. Uh, a young McCarty, you know, I really thought I was going to be an MLB announcer. I would record... <laughs> baseball games and then play them back and record myself as the announcer to cassette tape. Uh, so I would, you know, I would re- record on video, a Dodgers game, and then I would uh, play it back and record on a cassette. My call of the game with everything muted. Uh, I was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I felt like I was pretty good at it back then. I'll be quite honest. If you and I were to call a baseball game, ratings would skyrocket. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> I mean, you could be the play-by-play. I could be the uh, what the analyst. That's fine. Or vice versa. We, we are very interchangeable. I have no doubt we would succeed. I know what I was going to say earlier. You, uh, you were talking about playing with Syndergaard, and I just – you know, Syndergaard is a guy. Yeah, five and a third tonight. I think he got the win. But but he did, but my concern. He only uh, struck out one I, guy. Right, right. And Syndergaard is a big strikeout guy. That's what he does, right? So can he, can Syndergaard maintain any type of relevance in fantasy baseball if he's getting one strikeout per five innings? I mean, the answer is no. So uh, I'm concerned with that. Wait a second. But wait a second. He went what? He went five and a third. That's what? 5.33. He got one strikeout, 6.33. He got the win. 
that's a that's eleven point three three. I mean, Syndergaard at his price point, probably not. You got Syndergaard for a dollar though at an eleven three three game. Yes, he'll be fine there. Yeah, and I think that'll be an anomaly. Like I think he'll get more than one strikeout. I, I believe per, so as well per five innings. But it is a little bit alarming because that's what he's always thrived on. Is strikeout, so I'm concerned with that. That's how all. many pitches did he throw tonight, though? I mean, he only threw 76 Not, pitches. And yeah, they had him on a pitch count. Of course, he he only he only threw 49 for strikes, which is a little concerning. I mean, 49 of 66 isn't great, but it's what it is. I it tell is. you what, this has been a heck of a show. Did you have anything? Or are we done here? I, I have nothing, to be Fair quite enough. honest. Let's get out of here. All right, man. I tell you what. I think next week is Easter weekend. I have a softball tournament next Saturday, so I probably won't be able to do anything. If you have someone else to do this show, it will probably be you terrible. <laughs> uh, my wife really gets mad, though, when I play in a tournament all day and then come home and do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> even though she'll be in bed way before this time. But it's been fun. It's been real. I mean, if I see you next week or two weeks from now, whatever, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Sounds good. All right, man. See you. Till next time, everybody. Let's go Cubbies. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sports Fantasies with Miller and McCarty. And be sure to catch future shows wherever you stream. Oh, bye-bye now.